Welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. We're dispensing stories of success from across the continuum of care. I'm your host, Hillary Blackburn. Thanks for joining us to learn from leaders throughout the pharmacy industry. In this episode, you'll hear about the importance of developing your leadership style and how to stay up to date on topics important to the hospital C-suite. Today, we have a special guest on the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Our guest is the Chief of Clinical Pharmacy Services at Mississippi Baptist Health Systems, Phil Ayers. Phil received his pharmacy degree from the University of Mississippi and is a fellow Ole Miss Rebel and served as one of my mentors and preceptors while I was in pharmacy school. He is a nationally recognized expert in nutrition support. Dr. Phil Ayers, welcome to the Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Thank you, Hillary. I'm excited to be on the podcast. Thank you for the invitation. Well, thank you. And now that our listeners have heard a little bit about your background, maybe you might tell us a bit more about some of your personal life. Sure. Well, I um, have been actually this month at uh, Mississippi Baptist Medical Center for 30 years. And uh, in your introduction, well, thank you. In your introduction, it said that I'm uh, Chief of Clinical Pharmacy Services. I started as a uh, staff pharmacist back in 1987 and worked my way up the ladder and had some great opportunities there and now serve as Chief of Clinical Pharmacy Services and still coordinate and uh, round with the uh, Multidisciplinary Nutrition Support Service at, at Baptist. And also, I'm on faculty with the uh, University of Mississippi as an Associate Clinical Professor. So, um, I'm involved in writing cases and problem-based learning and also having uh, students and residents on rotation in nutrition support at Baptist. So I'm always, uh, it's always fun to work with the students and residents and I think it keeps you young as well. So I've always enjoyed that. Uh, Personally, I've been in the Jackson area, my wife and I, for about 35 years. We've uh, raised two children here, our son Andrew and our daughter Allison. Both are married and in the area and we uh, Ten months ago, welcomed our new uh, grandchild, Drew, uh, and so we're so excited to have him. So That's he's really a fun little fellow to be around. That's exciting. Well, that sounds wonderful, and and you've been such a leader in the pharmacy department at Baptist for uh, a number of years. And maybe could you tell us a bit more about how? Uh, you became an expert in nutrition support and how you stay up to date in that space. Sure. It's, well, it's, it's really kind of a funny story. As I said, I started as a staff pharmacist in 87 and had the opportunity to move into a more clinical role when we opened up our LTAC or long-term acute care uh, hospital within the Baptist system. And so uh, I've always had always been interested in practicing clinically. Uh, back when I finished in pharmacy school, there really just weren't that many opportunities. So um, I didn't didn't do a residency. Actually, there weren't that many of those available at the time. But uh, always had a desire to, to do some clinical practice. So this the LTAC allowed me the opportunity. So I went up there as a clinical pharmacist, and um, I think I helped uh, get that off the ground. And we made some significant intervention. Um, with about two or three years of doing that, one of the general surgeons came up to me and said, uh, you know, you're, you're one of our clinical pharmacists and we're starting a nutrition support service and just want to let you know that you're going to be our pharmacist. And I'm like, oh, I am. He goes, oh, yeah, I've already talked to everybody. So we've worked this deal out. And so, you know, and I'd always had an interest in nutrition support, but had very little training in school, just didn't see that much training past 
IV admixture and nutrition. So I went to do some additional training, um, went to uh, Shands Hospital in Florida, spent some time also in the Memphis area with some experts in nutrition support and uh, really uh, just kind of uh, trained um, through that method and also through various continuing uh, education programs through the American Society for Parental and Internal Nutrition. So I really kind of fell in uh, to nutrition support and really fell in love with nutrition support uh, and still doing that some today. Uh, very active also in the American Society for Parental and Internal Nutrition. Have the privilege of currently serving as secretary treasurer for that organization, which is a, a great organization. It's multidisciplinary and, and really the way I'd like to see other organizations go as well. So it's it's been really an interesting uh, opportunity with nutrition support, and I've, I've learned so much through the years and um, have had some some incredible opportunities being involved in that. Well, I can say from firsthand that you're an incredible teacher, and I know that you've helped many students make sense of nutrition support. So uh, thank you for uh, being such a great uh, relator of, of kind of that f- space, and, and it requires you were able to break it down to make sense. And I think I remember uh, you sharing that maybe a little bit of that was that your father was a teacher. So you have a little bit of education background. My dad was the educator. He uh, started out teaching and coaching, um, moved through the ranks, principal, superintendent, and uh, actually had the opportunity to go back into the classroom uh, the last five years of his life. So I was really thankful for that because he really had the heart of a teacher and loved to teach and, you know, just had moved through the administrative ranks as, as, as many do. But was, was able to get back in the classroom, which is his first love. And so I, I, I think I, I saw him uh, as a teacher and his methods and, and it just really how he was a mentor, I think, for students and, and wanted to see students do well and, and, you know, was very proud when he saw what they, they accomplished. And, you know, just being a small part of that is huge. And just like I'm, as I'm sitting here talking to you and thinking about how well you've done in your career, you know, just being a small part of that really makes you feel good that uh, just giving a little bit of yourself and, and watching others um, progress in their own career and grow as clinicians, as pharmacists has always been really a true blessing for me. Well, you've certainly been such a great role model and, and made an impact on on many student lives. And I know that um, we're all very appreciative Um could you tell us a bit more about your current role as the chief of uh, clinical services at Baptist and maybe uh, some of the big initiatives that you're working on to expand clinical services? Or where do you feel that uh, the pharmacy de- department at Baptist is really making uh, some big impacts? Well, you know, my role... Um as the chief of clinical pharmacy services, I oversee uh, our uh, diabetes service, our anticoagulation service, our kinetic service, and uh, and we have some other pharmacists who are involved in clinical services upstairs uh, on various units. And so um, I help oversee that. I lead that program. You know, with my current position, I'm overseeing all the clinical services at Baptist, which are include a diabetes, a multidisciplinary diabetes team. Uh, anticoagulation team, a kinetics team, and antimicrobial stewardship as well. So those have been uh, some really good initiatives that we've had with antimicrobial stewardship being being the newest initiative that we, we're currently working on at Baptist. And 
we're uh, also have merged with another health system. So that, that's been interesting and also um, been some opportunities for me to learn from others as well. And, and one thing that we're moving toward uh, with this new merger is a system-wide formulary uh, mm-hmm. with a system-wide pharmacy and therapeutics committee. Sure. Uh, which would be very interesting to see how that works out. You know, we've, we're a rather small system. We only have four hospitals, and so we'll be merging in a much larger system. And so it'll be um, I'm excited to, for the opportunities there. Uh, you know, but also uh, just seeing how that works will be uh, be enlightening. Um, you know, as always, you always have cost savings initiatives. So a lot of my time is spent uh, working on those and looking for op- opportunities as well. And uh, for instance, most recently, I've been working with the multimodal pain management. So uh, that's been interesting in that, you know, we're now have HCAP scores where patients score their pain management during their hospital stay. And mm-hmm. along with that, we're also trying to reduce the amount of opioids that we use, like, which is certainly a hot topic in the country. And so we're looking at other you know, alternatives and methods by which we can do that. So we work very closely with surgery and anesthesiology um, in, that, uh, in those initiatives. Uh, also, I'm in, involved in overseeing a joint commission uh, standards for the Department of Pharmacy. And so that in itself is always uh, a learning experience. And so we've uh, we spent a lot of time going through the standards and making sure that we're, we're meeting those standards and exceeding those standards. And I'm really proud that actually our diabetes team has advanced uh, accreditation from the joint commission, one of only 75 hospitals in the country that has that for inpatient diabetes management. So. Uh, kudos to that team because they do an incredible job and it's a multidisciplinary team as well. Absolutely. And I know that, uh, that the diabetes program there at Baptist has had a collaborative practice agreement in place for quite some time. So, uh, you've really been leading, uh, the way in a lot of, um, pharmaceutical care for diabetes patients, which is really exciting. Yeah, it's we. It's I'm very, I'm very proud of the accomplishment. My team actually won a 2012 ASHP Best Practice Award, uh, oh. so we're we're very proud of that accomplishment. We've had some excellent clinicians on that team um, with pharmacy leading, uh, working in a collaborative practice, like you said, with physicians. And so, um, it, it's been exciting to see how that team's really evolved and and gotten into other areas as well. Not you know not, we are now doing more with insulin pumps and more with education that we've ever than we've ever done. So it's, it's certainly a win win for the patient and also for the health system as well. Absolutely. What are some of the skills that you would say have really lent themselves well to your current role? I um I think that uh, I've always been very patient centered and been an advocate for the patient. So when I'm out there as a clinician, uh, I feel like that's uh, one of the things that I've always tried to do well and uh, want to take care of the patient to the best of my ability. And you know, always think about that patient being a family member or a friend of mine, and I would want to go do what is right and do the best thing, do what's safe for the patient. I think that's so important. Uh, I think my ability to teach and, and mentor um, is uh, is a strength of mine, and I enjoy that. And uh, some of that, I think, comes from my father and some from others, too, that over the years have been mentors and teachers uh, for me as well. So I try to emulate what I saw in them. Um, I also have been very, uh, very big upon it for a multidisciplinary approach. And, uh, you know, as we 
bring on new clinicians into our practice. We, we talk a lot about the multidisciplinary approach and interdisciplinary approach to, to medicine and, and to pharmacy. Pharmacy being a very huge, playing a very huge, huge role in that and uh, really understanding the other disciplines and, you know, kind of what they go through on a day-to-day basis and, and really teaming up, being part of that team is so important. So I've, I've always tried to encourage that and be a role model for that as well. You know, with my with my clinical services and overseeing those, I, I think my leadership style uh, is is one that um, I think fits well because you've got a number of obviously highly motivated individuals, and so you have to have I think a certain leadership style uh, to be able to to direct them, but yet you know give them a long enough leash where you don't want to. Uh, you don't, certainly don't want to box them in by any means because so many of these people have excellent ideas. And I think, you know, obviously being able to, to, to listen to those ideas and learn from them and as they're on the front lines, I, you know, I learn so much from them. And so um, I think they respect that, that I, they're cer- certainly open to listening. Um, and that's always kind of been my leadership style and being a good listener, but also kind of modeling how I would like them to approach uh their practice as a clinician, I think, is also um, has been, uh, I think, a, a, a good um, a good role model uh, for them as they grow in their practice and grow as clinicians. Sure, I think that's great information to be able to share. Uh, we all have different leadership styles, and, and everyone's going to kind of find what works best for them as a leader. And and I think that um, you've honed in and, and found what really works for you and your team. And it sounds like you've had a lot of success with that method. Uh, you've even been recognized by the Mississippi Business Journal as a healthcare hero and even serving on the Mississippi Board of Pharmacy. Uh, you've had all of these really great successes. Do you have maybe an instance uh, where you've had a failure or had something where you've had a a lesson learned that you might be able to share with our listeners? Sure, sure. I've been very fortunate in my career and and thank you for for recognizing that. I appreciate that. But that that, uh, has only come from a lot of support from uh, from family and coworkers and friends. And so um, I'm very thankful for that. You know, when I look back on my career, I think early in my career, um, I was in community practice and was really kind of thrown into a management position with very little training that I don't think I was ready uh, to take on. Um, I went into a pharmacy where a very popular person was, was no longer there. And uh, I was kind of thrust into that to take that person's role. And so I walked through the door and, you know, already there were negative vibes uh, within the pharmacy because I'm the person who replaced a, a very popular individual, you know, with them. And I, um, I think that uh, although the store uh, and the pharmacy performed very well under my leadership, I think sometimes I doubted my leadership abilities and maybe I let um, some of those people probably, um, you know, get under my skin and maybe just didn't really... Um, at times, you know, say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm the manager here. I'm the person in charge, and this is the way that it needs to be. Um, and, I, and I think also, too, in that situation, I try to do too much myself. And uh, I think that one time, you know, when you learn a lesson, that's when I probably learned that to be successful, you've also got to delegate a lot of responsibilities. And I didn't do that. I took on too much myself. And 
um, really almost burned myself out. Um, and it could have been a much better situation. Although the store was successful, I think as a manager, um, I was not as successful as I had wanted to be. And, um, and I think probably was a great learning experience for me on number one, how to manage people, you know, and uh, having people skills that, um, I thought I had, but I didn't. Um, and I also think it taught me a lesson about being sure that, uh, that you prepare people for leadership roles and for management roles. And I don't think that probably I, I was prepared as I should have been. Um, you know, you just don't walk into a place being the leader or the manager. Um, although I think I was a very good pharmacist, I, I did not manage uh, as, as well as I would have liked to. So it was, a, it was a, you know, although not a fantastic experience, I look back on that and I learned a lot of things that, that I apply today. Um, you know, as a leader and I try not to make those mistakes again. What great advice. And that is so true. Uh, I, I find myself so lucky in where I currently am having such great mentors. And, and I think that that's, um, key is, you know, mentoring, um, whether it be through other employees that you might oversee or whether it's, uh, you know, mentoring students, um, but kind of helping develop those future leaders uh, is really important because uh, oftentimes you're not learning that per se in pharmacy school. You might have all of the skills to be an expert clinician. Yeah. What, what great, uh, perspective yeah, yeah. Man and management story. and leadership, you know, there, there are a lot of textbooks out there, but sometimes you, you have to learn on the job, you know, <laughs> and sure. you learn, you learn from your mistakes. Uh, so speaking of, of textbooks and things like that, um, are there any special books that you might recommend on uh, leadership styles, or maybe you could share a few tips on how you stay up to date um, in the healthcare field as it's is currently changing? Yeah, um, of course, I think uh, staying up to date is, is so important. So I, I do that a couple of ways, you know, through the pharmacy world. I'm a member of a number of organizations, not just nutrition organizations, but pharmacy related organizations. And I think it's important stay on top of the game and, and really understand the changes and, and learn from others and, and see what others are doing. Uh, and, and also try to get out of the pharmacy world too. So oftentimes I will um, subscribe to things that may be more C-suite management type. So I know what uh, type material, so I know what they're reading and kind of see, can maybe forecast, you know, what the future holds or, or you know, maybe see what changes are ahead for all of us. And, and figure out a way that maybe pharmacy can, can play a role in that and pharmacy can you know, assist. Uh, for instance, like value-based purchasing is a huge term used right now. And I think that, that pharmacy is going to have to find its role in that. And you know, what will that look like in, in five to ten years? You know, I don't know. Um, you know. One thing I think has been very helpful to me and what I did, I actually took a lean class um, mm -hmm. a few years ago. And, and uh, it was a really... Uh, a great opportunity and a fantastic learning experience for me uh, to look at not only, you know, you think about lean may, maybe being more of an automotive uh, concept, but it's now over in the healthcare uh, arena. And so um, there's a lean book for, for healthcare, uh, for health uh, systems. I, I'm sorry, I don't have an exact title of the book, but um, it's one that I read that I learned a lot from, and it's kind of taking maybe some of the things that have been done with lean and in other industries and applying those to the healthcare industry. And, uh, and I, I encourage everyone to, to maybe 
review a little bit on the lean process and maybe find that lean uh, process uh, that's associated more with health systems. It, I think you'll find it very helpful and uh, you'll be able to take that and apply it to you know whatever department, not only pharmacy, but other departments within a health system. And, and I think make a, you know, a big difference um, in, in, the, in your organization. That is fascinating. I, I would love to get more information about that book. I've gone through the lean class here with St. Thomas Health. They have a, a whole lean PI department. Getting some of the, the tools, I'm a maximizer. So that's kind of part of how my mindset anyway, I think, is kind of that continuous process improvement and how you can kind of maximize processes and things. But the lean training was really valuable and it's something that we use in our organization as well. So it's great to see that it's spreading across the healthcare industry and that it's really made a big impact. I highly recommend it. And actually we used um, kind of a lean process uh, during periods of uh, drug shortages that we have within the hospital, you know, so because mm-hmm. it's been a challenge for all of us out there. And so we've actually kind of used lean um, concepts, if you will, in ways to, first of all, make prescribers aware there's a shortage, then also look at alternatives and make those alternatives available to them, readily available to them. And so I think that it's, you know, if we don't have these gaps in patient care, okay, we, we don't have this drug, but these are alternatives and suggestions that we think that would be effective uh, methods and uh, medications to use uh, for uh, the patient during a time of shortage. So just using it in those situations has been a tremendous help to us. Sure. What a great application of the lean process. So Phil, what are you most excited about in the future of pharmacy? I think the the ability to become uh, recognized as a healthcare provider is so important. And I think a very exciting time for pharmacy to come together. You know, I think one one issue that we've had within our profession is we do have a number of great organizations, but we oftentimes aren't seeing the same tune or not seeing singing the same tune or pulling the same direction. So I think with this, we've seen our pharmacy organizations come together and say this is important for the profession. And more importantly, I think it's the right thing for the patient. I mean, we're the most accessible health care provider that these patients have. And, and when you look at health care reform, what an excellent opportunity for pharmacists to be more involved in this and and be a provider and be recognized for that. And, and I think that will lead to better outcomes and keeping people out of our emergency rooms and reducing health care costs. There are a lot that pharmacists can do to do that. And so I think that's exciting that that's on the horizon. Uh, I think seeing the increased role of pharmacists in medication therapy management now falling over into more chronic care management is exciting as well. It's some of those things they talked about even when I was in pharmacy school years ago, but we're starting to see those things come to fruition more and more. And, and every year we're making headway there. We're becoming more and more seen as the medication expert and whom better to to help uh, in that decision, in that process of what would be the most effective, cost effective, uh, outcome effective medications to use for patients. And so I, I, I see the the practice changing, uh, more automation taking place, freeing people and pharmacists uh, up to do more things, and even expanding the role of the technician. I think there's a lot more that can be done with technicians, and uh, 
I know some states are using them now to just uh, collect the medication history, and that's quite a challenge out there when you look at medication reconciliation and getting um, accurate histories on these patients. And we've got technicians that are certainly capable of helping do that and making sure that it's uh, it's right, it's correct. And, and so I, I see that uh, we're using more and more of our technicians for those type roles, and I think that's a good thing that will allow us to do more clinically and allow us to be more at the patient's bedside. Absolutely. I think there's a lot, a lot of exciting things that are uh, not only coming down the pipeline with healthcare, but certainly in pharmacy. And so as our final question, could you share some advice that you would tell your younger self or uh, for pharmacists out there who are just getting started in their career? Well, Hillary, my younger self was so long, such a long time ago, I don't know that I can remember it that far back. But <laughs> <laughs> no, I would say that really and truly, I think that uh, you need to follow your passion, you know, and that you, you sometimes, you know, you may not know that right off, but as you uh, go through your educational process through pharmacy school, maybe residencies and other things, you're going to find out what your passion is, what you really want to do. And so I think it's important to do that to follow your passion and further your education. If you have that opportunity, I think is so important. And, uh, and also be open to change. I mean, you know, I've seen my, my career started out in community practice and now I'm over in hospital, you know, health system practice. I never would have thought that, you know, coming out of pharmacy school uh, when I did, but, uh, you know, being open to change and that, and that change might occur in a couple of years. I may be doing something different, but just uh, always being open to that because uh, I think that's a good thing. Uh, you may find that passion changes over the years. And so be sure you follow that. I would also say never stop learning. I mean, I think it's so important to, to be a lifelong learner. Uh, I, I, you know, every day I learn something new. And, and so that's always rewarding for me. Um, I would also encourage people to be a mentor for others. I think back to all those people who spent time with me, and and, uh, and oftentimes it was a preceptor who wasn't getting paid but just wanted to, wanted to be a part of the educational process. And I think that's so important to, to mentor uh, the younger clinicians and, and mentor those that you, you work with and um, give back to the profession as well. I, you know, I think that you need to be, uh, I would hope that people would be members of the organizations and, and be involved and uh, be involved in things like government affairs. Or again, you know, if your passion is membership, be involved, just be involved in the profession and be involved in your professional organizations and, and, and be an advocate for the profession. Uh, I would also encourage um, younger clinicians to do that as well. I think that's really important. We need more people who are advocates uh, for the profession. And then that falls into being, most importantly, being an advocate for the patient. Well, you can certainly tell that you are passionate about pharmacy and uh, the profession is so lucky to have individuals such as yourself kind of helping to shape future pharmacists. And we are delighted that you were able to share some time with us today and, and some of your knowledge and expertise. And thank you so much for being a guest on our Talk to Your Pharmacist podcast. Well, thank you, Hillary. It was a pleasure being on it. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talk to Your Pharmacist, produced by the Pharmacy Advisory Group. If you liked this episode, let us know by subscribing to the podcast, rating, and reviewing it. Share it with friends. And if you want to be a guest or know a pharmacist leader who has a great story to tell, 
Connect with me, Hillary Blackburn, on LinkedIn and check out our Facebook page, Pharmacy Advisory Group, for updates on new podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode so you can find out how you can be a pharmacist on Capitol Hill.